Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Crises across this country. Inflation. Rising crime. Gasoline through the roof. Crisis on the southern border. All of us, Democrats, Republicans, Independents. The entire country is watching. 2022 midterms. There's more stories. Nuclear sable rattling. The stories. They're mad at inflation, crime. They're mad at gas prices. And the border with fentanyl rushing across it. Vote, vote. The midterms were the first Tuesday in November. Complex and uncertain words. This is your day. This is the future. This is the moment. Listen to this. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome into Friday. Lots to talk about. Got a good program lined up for you. We're uh, scheduled to uh, have Zach Smith from the uh, Heritage Foundation join us in just a little bit. We'll be talking about the whole hunter biden fiasco i've got some interesting theories on this we'll talk about that in a little bit uh wnct is reporting that tonight is the night of the only debate between sherry beasley and ted budd it will be on the spectrum news network now for those of you in eastern north carolina who don't have access to spectrum news you can go into their website uh the spectrum news one website you can either Google it or just go to spectrumlocalnews.com, spectrumlocalnews.com, and you'll be able to see the uh, Ted Budd, Sherry Beasley debate tonight at 8 o'clock. Budd is citing high inflation, trying to tie Beasley to Joe Biden and the economic policies. Uh, He cites Beasley's judicial record and how that relates to high crime. He often mentions immigration issues. Uh, but, of course, is a supporter of Donald Trump, and Trump has come and endorsed him, uh, come out and campaign for him just down in Wilmington a couple of weeks ago. Beasley challenges Bud on that particular issue, as if that's a, a negative for Ted Bud, and I guess for some people that might be. 41% of the respondents to a WGHP Emerson College The Hill poll of likely voters in North Carolina cited the economy and inflation as the most decisive factor in North Carolina uh, for the November 8th election. Uh, That will not work well for uh, Beasley. Um, Obviously, (laughs) if that's the number one issue, she's in the wrong party. Um, The issue that the Democrats keep pushing and pushing and pushing, the abortion issue, uh, only 12% said that was the most important. Uh, the Bud campaign, it sounded like they were apologizing for Ted Bud's poor performance before they even got there. Uh, it, it just, I, I'm, I'm surprised they came out and said this. But anyway, uh, by the way, Ted Bud is supposed to be with us on Monday, so we'll have a good uh, chance to follow up on the debate. Um, Bud's campaign, thanks to her career as a slick trial lawyer, Cherry Beasley, has honed her skill as an orator and Beasley will likely turn in a debate performance comparable to former Senator John Edwards in his prime. Bud's communication director, Samantha Cotton, said in an email, but despite being a master debater, Beasley is still going to be delivering a flawed message in support of Biden. Ted Budd will win with his message of fighting against Biden inflation, uh, working to secure the border, curbing crime, and uh, trying to defund the police. Interestingly, <laughs> the whole defund the police thing, The White House today has come out because Republicans are not getting all gaga excited about 
Joe Biden's uh, assault weapons ban legislation. And I say Joe Biden, but it's it's the liberal Democrats that are pushing, you know, an, an, an anti-gun piece of legislation. Joe Biden is trying to turn that into the fact that, okay, this proves that it's the Republicans who want to defund the police. And of course, a lot of Republicans out there are very skeptical right now of the uh, FBI and their antics, the Department of Justice and their ant- antics. And so the Biden administration is now trying to twist that into, okay, that means they are actually the party of the defund the police. You can't make it up. Speaking of surveys, though, High Point University just came out yesterday with their new North Carolinian survey as it relates to the upcoming election. Some interesting stuff. When asked how they would vote, uh, and by the way, let me say before I, I go any further, I tried to find out in their small print how many Democrats they uh, polled in this and how many Republicans, how many Libertarians, Independents, etc. I couldn't find that information. So take this with a grain of salt. In fact, I couldn't even find out whether this was registered voters or likely voters. Uh, assuming it's the worst case scenario for conservatives, that it was A, uh registered voters and not likely voters. Uh, uh, now, again, it might've been somewhere in there. I looked for it for about 10 minutes. I couldn't find it, but uh, uh, let's assume that it was the worst case scenario for Republicans. It's still pretty good. I mean, the results are still pretty good. Let's assume they interviewed more or polled more Democrats and Republicans. It still turns out pretty good. And that's usually now. And high point is, is, is a, a good university when it comes to polling. They're, they're fairly reputable. I'm not, I don't mean to besmirch them. I'm just, I couldn't find that information. Uh, according to the poll, when asked how they would vote if the election for U.S. Congress were held today, North Carolinians are divided 38% choosing the Republican candidate, 41% choosing the Democratic candidate, another 18% remain undecided or unsure of their choice. said they would vote for a Democrat candidate for the North Carolina House, while 39% said they would vote for a Republican candidate. When asked about the North Carolina Senate, again, pretty much the same. Uh, 40% Democrat, 39% said Republican. And again, that just does not make sense. I mean, when you you look at the fact that right now it looks like it is a a fairly good shot at Republicans getting a supermajority in the North Carolina House and the Senate, those numbers don't exactly cor- correspond with that fact. Um, similar percentage uh, when it comes to the North Carolina Supreme Court, it pretty much split down the middle. 41% to uh, Democrats, 38% to the Republicans. Again, the overall polling, other polling that we've seen, that doesn't add up. Right now, it looks like the Republicans are doing much better for the North Carolina Supreme Court race. But here's where it really gets interesting. In this poll, they asked North Carolinians to rate the importance of a series of issues for the state right now. This is the order in which these are the most important issues. Uh, Education actually came in first, 74%, followed by inflation, jobs, health care, crime, voting rights, voting integrity, corruption. Abortion comes in ninth. Race relations, 10th. Infrastructure, 11th. Climate change, 12th. COVID-19, 13th public transportation, 14th. Now, what's interesting, the bottom 9 through 14, the bottom issues in this polling are Democrat issues. These These are the issues that Democrats are all concerned about. 
And they're the they're the issues that keep they keep pushing over and over again. Guess what? That's not the issues that the North Carolina voter the North Carolina voter is interested in. I mean, they, not, I mean, there there are some that said they were interested in those issues, but they're at the bottom of the barrel. They're at the bottom of the list. So the things that the that the Republicans are saying important are at the top of the list. The things that the Democrats are trying to win this election on, people aren't interested in. The uh, poll also asked North Carolinians whether they thought Democrat or Republican Party in Washington, D.C. would do a better job handling a series of issues. Republicans had an advantage uh, on these issues. Uh, Inflation. Well, let me jump uh, over to this chart. Uh, For each issue, this is the question they asked, for each issue, tell me whether or not you think the Democrat or Republican Party would do a better job on this issue. Um, In the, the issue of inflation, the Republicans had a 13 percentage point advantage on dealing with that. Gas prices, Republicans up 10%. Law enforcement, Republicans up 9%. The economy in general, Republicans up 9%. Energy prices, Republicans up 8%. Foreign policy in general, Republicans up 6%. Taxes, Republicans up 6%. The war in Ukraine, Republicans up 4%. The issues where the Democrats had just a slight advantage School safety, 1%. Transportation, 2%. Education, 2%. Voting integrity, 3%. Voting rights, 5%. COVID-19, 6%. Abortion, 7%. Healthcare in general, 9%. Environment in general, 11%. Civil rights, 12%. Climate change, 12%. But again, those are issues that the voters don't care about. (laughs) They're looking at these issues and say, okay, they do a better job. Is that going to influence how you vote when you go into the, in the, the voting booth? Uh, the, the vast majority say not at all. How important do you think each of these issues is in North Carolina today? Uh, I, again, we went over these numbers, but the, the top numbers were the, were the exception, perhaps, of school safety and education. And I understand why those numbers come in high, because I would say there, there's bipartisan support for those two issues. Yeah. We want our kids to have a good education. Then again, you're going you're gonna to put that as a high priority if you're a parent with school-aged children, regardless of where your kids go to school. And school safety, of course. Uh, as a grandpa, I mean, that's, that's you know, I, I think about that all the time. But, the, but are those the issues when you go into the voting booth? And I would say no. Those are, those are important issues, but uh, those are those are bipartisan issues that the Republicans and the Democrats would both say are important, although there would probably be two different ways to get there, especially when it comes to education. But again, the kitchen table issues, the Republicans control. And that's uh, that's what's going to make the difference when we go to the voting booth uh, on November the 8th. We're going to go ahead and take a time out. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Zach Smith. We're going to be talking about Hunter Biden. What is going to happen to Hunter why now is the Washington Post coming out with all this information? Stay with us. We'll be right back. A collection of question marks. There's a lot of questions. Why? How? No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare. We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the whats, and the wheres. Neighborhood by neighborhood. Literally knocking on doors. This is your worst nightmare. The nightmare. It would be a nightmare. Worst nightmare. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Explain to us. Because this. This. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. 
All right, welcome back in 21 minutes past the top of the hour. A uh, quick look at your weather forecast. Some clouds tonight, a low of 56. The weekend looks really nice. It's going to be a little cooler tomorrow and Sunday, but lots of sunshine. Highs near 70 degrees both days and uh, cool nights in the low to mid 40s. Uh, really, in the uh, forecast, no rain in the uh, forecast till next thursday and only a 30 percent chance of uh, rain on thursday i guess having ian come through and give us several inches of uh, water a week or so ago was not a bad deal considering how dry it has been since then um i, I it's, it's a good thing i said we are scheduled to have zach smith because during the break i uh, looked down at my phone and i got a uh, uh, a note back from their scheduler, Zach is caught in a meeting. So when Zach gets freed up, hopefully he'll call in, which we've asked him to do, or she's actually working on a replacement. It was Zach Smith or Hans von Spakoski that they offered us, and uh, Zach was available initially when we contacted him this morning. Obviously, something else has happened. But, you know, I, I want to talk about this um, Hunter Biden thing because – you know, now federal investigators are weighing whether to charge Hunter with various tax and foreign lobbying violations, false statements. You know, a former official telling Fox News earlier today that an outcome to the case could be imminent any day, any moment, perhaps. Now, this has been going on really all the way back. I mean, we knew Hunter was an issue well, well before the 2020 election i mean charges were uh you know there were murmurs of charges and he's in trouble and there's all kinds of corruption going on uh it really began to hit the fan back in 2018 of course you know all the stories about the fbi basically smothering it and uh you know if you if you've been following the news lately you probably this week heard or saw the interview that tucker carlson had with bob Lenski, just how he had gone to the fbi prior to the previous election just pri- i think it was october just prior to the previous election oh yeah the fbi is real interested in following up with him and they have yet to follow up with him now it's it's curious partly it's curious that okay the interview comes out was it uh, tuesday night wednesday night on tucker carlson and yesterday it starts to hit the fan that okay Hunter might be in real trouble. There might be charges coming. You know, I, I am skeptical. I'm, I'm a skeptic by nature. And am I skeptical on this? Absolutely more so than most. So what does my cynical self say? Why does the Washington post now come out with these stories? And and why the Washington Post? I mean, I, listen, it is it is not by chance that whatever leak took place on this, that it went to the Washington Post. Now, what's curious about this is Hunter Biden's attorney is a guy named Clark, um, not Clark Willis. <laughs> uh, what is Clark's? Uh, Hunter Biden's uh, lawyer is Chris Clark. And, um, you know, he has come out and said, listen, this is a felony. If, if one of these prosecutors has come out and leaked this information, uh, and we, Benny and I laughed about this yesterday, how dare they leak this information? Because this is a felony and they could be in, tr- in real trouble. 
you know, we want to make sure the DOJ looks into this. Like, okay, well, the, the DOJ, Merrick Garland and the DOJ, which, by the way, they came out today, the Republicans said one of the first things they're going to do if uh, they win the House and the Senate is impeach uh, Merrick Garland. But, you know, Merrick Garland obviously takes all his orders from the White House. What do you want us to prosecute? What do you want us to leave alone? And uh, they're the ones that are causing the leaks. But it's it's curious that this guy Clark comes out and says, you know, if if this leak has taken place, this is a felony and we're going to go out and, you know, this person will be charged. And they'll be in trouble, blah, blah, blah. They'll be sent to prison. I'm, listen, if this was a leak to a cons- from a conservative or someone that wants to prosecute Hunter, do you think they go to the Washington Post? <laughs> the The reason it went to the Washington Post is because whoever leaked this from Merrick Garland and the Biden White House, they wanted it to go to a liberal publication that wouldn't ask any questions. So my cynical self says, why now? What's the deal? Why would you leak this information now? And while I can't give you an answer, I can give you four cynical speculations that I have, skeptical speculations that I have. First of all, what Benny and I mentioned yesterday, why now? Because Joe Biden's dead weight. The Democrats, you know, they, they heard Joe Biden go to... Al Sharpton this week and, you know, say, hey, Al, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm running, I'm running. You can trust me. <laughs> now, why did he go to a loser like Al Sharpton to spread that news? I have no clue. But Joe's dead weight, and the Democrats know he's dead weight, and there, it's even going to be more emphasized after the Republicans take the House and the Senate. Joe, we, we got to jettison you. Sorry, bud, but you know what? It's like a weekend at Bernie's, and we can't prop you up anymore. So let's jettison Joe. Let's jettison the whole family. And uh, the easiest way to get rid of Joe is have him come up with the idea after Hunter lands in prison and after Joe pardons Hunter, which you know was happening. But at that point, you're you're done. Joe, you're done. So that's, that's my first skeptical, cynical thought. Um, number two. Is there something now the, the big thing that's making the news right now that, that Hunter is guilty of is tax evasion and lying about his gun application. He checked off a box that's, when they asked, you know, are you are you currently addicted to any uh, illegal drugs? You know, and, and they named named it in four or five different ways. Uh, and he's, he's checked off the box. No, I have no addictions. He later has, has come out in his memoirs and wrote, yeah, I lied about that at the time. And, of course, he finally got his gun. He threw his gun away. Uh, he was having, a, and this is sick in itself, he was having an affair with his dead brother's wife, Haley. Uh, somehow she got the gun and threw it away in a trash can, which somebody else found it. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible how... Hunter keeps getting found out, whether it's somebody finding his gun that was tossed in a trash can or idiot Hunter not picking up his laptop. But those are the two things that keep making the news. Now, also the fact that he wasn't registering himself and, and checking in as a foreign agent, now that, that is a whole lot more costlier. That will be a whole lot more prison time. But the thing that's gaining the headlines are the tax, uh, the tax evasion and checking off this wrong box 
on his uh, permit for a gun. Uh, Those are fairly small potatoes, especially since he supposedly has paid off his tax bill. You know, are are they willing to say, okay, we'll, we'll agree, I blew that, I checked off the wrong box. And, you know, at that point, the media will say, well, look, they, they went after him on these two issues and he admitted it. And, you know what, he's paid a fine and we'll give him some, uh, you know, public service stuff that he needs to do. And, you know, and, and but, but, you know, he's the president's son, so he won't send him to prison. So that's the second thing is, is, is this, are they admitting to these things because there's something far worse that they're hiding? There's something much worse that, that Hunter has done they don't want that to come out so we'll just go ahead and act like uh, you know we're 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 fessing up and everybody ought to be happy now there is a third reason why this might be coming out now and that is a fear by the biden administration the biden family democrats in general that republicans will take back the house and the senate and and they have said one of the first things they're going to do is go after Hunter Biden. Listen, they're going to come out after him a whole lot harder than Merrick Garland would come after him right now. And when they come after him, they are going to dig deep and they're going to find the worst of the worst. They're going to find all this corruption, all this payoff that's come from uh, Ukraine, that's come from China, come from the widow's uh, the widow, the widow of the uh, Moscow mayor, who paid him what a million bucks. You know they're they're going to find all this stuff that is a whole lot worse than checking off the wrong wrong box. So, is this is it coming out now because the Democrats are saying you know let's let's us deal with it. Let us let, we don't want <laughs> we don't want the Republicans to get to it because it's going to be a whole lot worse, and they know that if the Republicans are there and it's a whole lot harder, if they deal with this now, they can come back when the Republicans are in charge and they can say, listen, why are you Republicans piling on? Hunter has has admitted he's done wrong. He's fessed up. He's been punished. This is old news. And besides, Cousin Eddie, Joe is going to pardon him anyway. Why are you piling on? This, and and quite frankly, they, with with the help of the media, they could make the Republicans look like the bad guys. I mean, remember when there was the impeachment against Bill Clinton over the Monica Lewinsky stuff and his lying? The Republicans, you know, I, I agree that they should have impeached the guy, but it backfired. With the help of the media, the Republicans actually took it on the chin. And Joe Biden, uh, I mean, Joe Biden, Bill Clinton's uh, numbers went up. Republicans went down. I I think that's a real possibility. But, you know, and the the fourth issue is this just a 30-day-out midterm election ploy that, you know, Republicans have said, you know, we're not serious about crime. Well, here's something that we're actually going to deal with. I think those are the four issues, and it could be any one of those four. It could be a combination of – uh, those uh, are, 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 you know, all, all four of them are, are anyone you want to pick. I think that's why this has come out now. I do not think, oh, 
suddenly, suddenly they've had a come to Jesus meeting at Merrick Garland's Department of uh, uh, Justice, and and suddenly they're going to say, hey, you know, we, we really need to deal with this. We we really feel bad that we haven't dealt with this before. <laughs> I I don't think so. I think it is. Uh, it, I think my cynical attitude towards it is probably a whole lot more accurate than uh, the fact that Merrick Garland could possibly actually want to enforce the law. And again, remember the attorney general, I know he is appointed by the president, but he is not supposed to be the personal attorney for the president. Take, take all of that into consideration. And I think you've got to recognize that, you know, early on, Early summer, late spring, everybody talked about this red wave that was going to come for the Republicans. Come midsummer, come the Roe v. Wade decision. It was the Dobbs decision, but essentially it, it eliminated Roe v. Wade, the federal right to abortion, sent it back to the states. That came in, and suddenly, they said, oh, the, the red wave is gone. Can, can the Republicans even take the Senate? Will they take the House? And can take the Senate. Um, Nate Silver has got this organization, 538. They do projections. They do polling. Uh, Middle-of-the-road guy. I, I have no clue as to whether, I mean, you know, you, you typically think of these national polling places as being more liberal. That's my hunch. He's probably to the left of center. I don't know that for sure. He, he might be just a straight shooter up and up and doesn't really care who wins. You know, his, his job is just to get his predictions right. And he is more right than wrong. He has now come out and he's come out with four reasons why the Republicans will see this tsunami wave. And interesting, uh, he says, Nate Silver says in his uh, press release, sure, this election could be an exception to the usual midterm pushback against the president's party. But it's not always smart to bet on exceptions. So it's worth going back over the reasons why I and other analysts initially expected this election to be a strong one for the Republicans, going back to the spring when everyone said there's going to be this red wave tsunami. One, the opposition party, in this case Republicans, have a long history of doing well in the midterms. It's one of the more robust uh, robust trends in American politics. When you add to that, these are my words, not Nate Silver's, when you add to that the terrible numbers for Joe Biden, it makes it worse. He goes on to say, though his numbers have improved recently, Joe Biden remains fairly unpopular, approval rating of 42%. Uh, You go back and look at previous presidents, and granted, I know a, a lot of presidents in their first midterm, their numbers aren't good. But Joe's are worse. Three, Americans remain quite unhappy about the direction of the country, which tends to hurt the incumbent. Again, if you look at the numbers, you're looking at 77, 80% of the American people say the country is going in the wrong direction. I mean, if you said, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can look at this and ask the question, and you can get into detailed issues. But when you ask a general question, which way is the country going? It ain't good for the Democrats because 80% of Americans say it's going in the wrong direction. Fourth, and this is what I just mentioned, during the summer, Democrats benefited from media and voter attention to the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, the January 6 hearings, which have just fallen on their face. I mean, it's a joke. 
and the very fact that they can't wrap things up, it's, it's, it's obvious even to the uninformed that it's a kangaroo court strictly to try to win votes for liberals. So Roe v. Wade is done. It's, its emphasis towards the election have waned a long time ago. The January 6th, same thing. The FBI investigation of Donald Trump has backfired. Not, I mean, it, okay, it might have t- taken a little bit of uh, edge away from the Republicans, but as it settled in, people have either forgotten about it or they look at it and say, what the heck is the FBI doing that for? With all the issues with Hunter Biden, we're, we're wasting our time doing that. Um, but the issues that still remain that were there, the issues that were causing the red tsunami prediction back in the spring are still there. They've only gotten worse. Talking about immigration, the economy, inflation, they are still there. They are still prevalent. They are getting worse, not better. That is why Nate Silver and his organization 538 say, you know what? We called a red tsunami back in the spring. It waned over the summer. But guess what? It's back. Stay with us. We'll be right back. From ultra high inflation. And it's my top domestic priority. To ultra high cost of living. I know you got to be frustrated. I can taste it. It pays to be ultra well informed. We're throwing money away like drunken sailors. I'm so pissed off. When you join the conversation. We're just printing more money, which adds to inflation, which destroys the American family. family. That makes me sick. What happens next happens here with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. You know, Joe just keeps stepping in it deeper and deeper. It's up to his eyebrows at this point. I don't know how he's breathing. Last night, he was at a fundraiser for Democrats. What happened? (laughs) Well, he screwed up again, Joe. That's what happened. He was in New York City. It was a Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee fundraiser. And uh, so he's, he's going along giving a speech, and he said that we are at the risk of a nuclear Armageddon, highest level since the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. Quote, we have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis, end quote, the president said last night. Now, uh, he's obviously, uh, everything else, he either blames it on Trump or Biden. Those, Those are his two choices. He once again tried to blame this on Putin. Stop and think about this, though. Who's in charge? Joe, you are. Who was the cheerleader to go? And now, granted, it was bipartisan bipartisan support, but who is the cheerleader that wanted to go in all headlong into Ukraine and spend all kinds, I mean, money we couldn't afford, but also not even thinking through the ramifications of what might happen? Joe, you were. You were the one in charge. And you've gotten us to the brink of Armageddon. Not exactly a good campaign speech. I mean, I, I, somehow I just don't think that's going to win votes. In fact, you have to ask yourself, well, who were the numbskulls that were sitting in the audience and turns around and pulls out their checkbook and writes some check for twenty or thirty or forty or $100,000 
to the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee after just hearing the president say we're on the brink of Armageddon. <laughs> it's, I ought to be shaking in my boots and not laughing. But the very fact, I mean, I can only hope that Vladimir Putin is not as cognitively disabled as our own president is. Because if, if, if he were, he very well might push the button. Now, granted, Putin has come out and said, you know, hey, guys, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's told his uh, folks that are in charge of the nuclear weapons over there to be on standby. My, my words, I'm paraphrasing what he said. But uh, hopefully he has got enough sense that he realizes that when you push the button, there's going to be a domino effects and all kinds of things will happen. Hopefully he is not as brain damaged as our own president is just saying. So yesterday, uh, Joe comes out and also says, Hey, you know what? We're going to forgive, uh, anybody that, uh, has marijuana charges, uh, come up against them. The daily signal says that today's amnesty will obscure two serious contemporary problems. that cannabis causes the public. One is that the 21st century cannabis is far more powerful than before. I've never uh, partaken in the marijuana, but uh, my understanding is when I was a teenager, what they were smoking back then was like a cigarette as compared to the potency of what is out there now. We need to, uh, the Daily Signal is going to say, we need to investigate the effects of the more powerful cannabis. Increased cannabis use will inevitably lead to an increased number of roadway crashes, uh, maimings, deaths, etc., if the president is serious about saving lives, he needed to undertake a whole-of-the-government effort to address the problem. They go on to say Biden has handed out billions of dollars to graduate students in debt for obtaining PhDs in useless fields. Now he's pardoning people convicted of drug offenses, and he will um, be called a humanitarian rather than someone who is pandering to his political base. This amnesty, 18 months into Biden's presidency, and less than a month before the midterm election is an example of convenient and cheap politics, not honest statesmanship. 90% of convictions in federal court are the result of plea bargains. Uh, uh, again, this is just 30 days out. Uh, I think the Daily Signals hit it on the head. This is more opportunity for Joe to try to, figuratively speaking, buy votes for himself and for his party. Uh, before we go to break, I do. There, there, this is just sort of a side note in the, in the midst of all these other more important issues. But Ian goes through Florida, just wreaks havoc on Florida, especially the Gulf Coast of Florida down near more Fort Myers. Right near Fort Myers is an island off the mainland. I mean, there's a number of islands that got in trouble, but one island is called Pine Island. And the Pine Island Bridge wasn't completely destroyed, but it was impassable after Hurricane Ian went through. Three days later, three days after they started working on it, the Pine Island Bridge was reopened and tractor-trailer trucks were traveling across in both directions. Uh, A, kudos to Ron DeSantis and the folks in the recovery effort down in Florida. I mean, that's very significant. Electricity is coming back on in all these devastated areas. Every day, more people get their electricity back. 
considering how bad it was, uh, it's a pretty remarkable recovery. It is even more remarkable when you consider that last January, up in Pittsburgh, a bridge collapsed. Remember that, that story? A bridge collapsed, middle of winter, up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Eight months ago, January 22nd, 2022. Eight months ago, that bridge has still not been opened back up yet. <laughs> All I'm saying is, it's pretty amazing the difference that a ex-military, Republican, no-nonsense governor can have compared to another city that is run by an incompetent Democrat. Stay with us. We'll be right back. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. You know, we hear time and time again that uh, people are saying, listen, these people that are pushing transgenderism, sex change, etc., chemical castrations, it's all a part of trying to groom children for their own sexual perversion. Uh, There's a story out today in the Town Hall publication that really is a, uh, a red light blinking over top of that theory, giving it credence. They report a trustee on a board of a United Kingdom-based charity for transgender kids resigned this week after reports broke detailing a speech he gave to an organization that provides services to pedophilias back in 2011. Dr. Jacob Rieslow is an associate professor of gender and sexuality at London School of Economics and Political Science and served on the board of Mermaids, a nonprofit supporting transgender non-binary children, according to the New York Post. He resigned from Mermaids this week after reports broke that he gave a speech at a conference in 2011 with B4U-ACT, a Maryland-based organization focused on ending stigma around, quote, minor attractive persons, in other words, pedophilias. Established in 2003, this organization, a 501c3, is run in uh, collaboration with uh, mental health professionals, researchers, and people who are attracted to minors, the organization's website reads. The organization, B4U-ACT, helps mental health professionals and researchers learn more about attraction to minors and to consider the effects of stereotyping stigma and fear. That way they can be informed before they interact with people who are attracted to minors and before they talk, write, or make public statements about minor attractive people. It continues. The Post noted that this organization was co-founded by Michael Melshire, who reportedly served four years in federal prison for aggravated assault involving children. In other words, this individual who goes down and gives a speech for this organization in support of what they want to do basically the nice way of saying it is they're trying to remove the stigma uh, for people who want to have sexual relationships with minors. Now they say, oh, that isn't necessarily the case. We, we, we're just saying that we're attracted to them and that shouldn't be reason for having a stigma. Well, guess what? The co-founder of the organization was attracted to him and he acted on those attractions and he spent four years in prison. Why would you have and now this guy is 
one of the head honchos of an organization that's all about the transgender sexual and and the transgender surgery changes. Listen, again, those people that say this is all about trying to groom our groom children for sexual perversion, uh, that that statement has merit. Just saying. As we close out, I uh, do want to say that uh, Joe Biden, again, cannot tell the truth from a lie if it hit him on the side of the head. He was down in Florida earlier this week speaking to victims of Hurricane Ian. He claimed that he knows how you feel. I know how you feel. I know from experience how much anxiety and fear concern it is to people who lose their homes. He said, we didn't lose our whole home but lightning struck our house, and we lost an awful lot about 15 years ago. Uh, truth of the matter is, in 2004, Biden's kitchen caught on fire after there was a nearby lightning strike. The uh, chief of uh, the fire chief at the time said, "Luckily, we got there in time, and the whole fire was under control and out within 20 minutes." Last year, Biden came out and claimed that his entire house burned down with Jill inside, barely got out alive. He said this guy could not (laughs) he can't tell the truth from a lie if his life depended on he's also actually come out and said talking to truckers he's actually come out and said yeah i used to drive a tractor trailer uh that was checked out and uh, guess what he's only been in a tractor trailer as a rider didn't drive it was up as a rider only one time in his life yet he translates that into yeah i used to be a tractor trailer driver Oh, my, our president. Pray for him. He's got problems. Hey, listen, have a great weekend. We'll do it again on Monday. Don't forget, we're going to have Ted Bud on, on Monday's program. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody.